Welcome to another SwiftCast TV podcast. I am your host, Adam Leonard, and I'm here with Clay. So today we're going to talk about a few things, uh, but first it's going to be BDD, or behavior-driven development. And so behavior-driven development evolved from test-driven development because as software developers, we're employed to not just write code, but to help customers solve problems, right? So instead of thinking of, or thinking in terms of verification of a unit of code like we would with test-driven development, we think in terms of a specification and how that code should actually behave or what what it should do. Um, And the whole point of BDD is just to allow us to ensure that the actual business objectives of our stakeholders are actually being met by the software we deliver, which with TDD we're not we have we don't have that verification. We just verify that the code is working um, how we expect it to work, not that the whole system or the actual business objectives are getting met. So, with BDD, one of the things you would do is write an acceptance test, and an acceptance test is a test that verifies. The requirements of our specifications, right? So usually you have a user story, and a user story is it has basically three elements. It has a who. So who is the actor in the story? So most of the time this would be like your customer or your client, um, someone who's making use of the app, or whomever is receiving business benefit from the story. Then you have a what. So the effect that the actor wants the story to have. And then an expectation. So what's the business value the actor is going to receive from this effect? It's very common for us to use this format of given, when, and then. Dan North, who is the guy responsible for kind of bringing BDD to the world of, of testing, um, basically said, here's a format, and this is kind of how we should lay out our stories. And so certain libraries like Cucumber um, in the Ruby world allows you to write given when then. So an example of this would be with your Magic 8-Ball, you could say, given I have a fortune to be told, when I shake the 8-Ball, then I know my fortune. So then my acceptance test would basically go through I guess in this case, we have an iOS app. It, you would just click a button, right? So I would click a button that says, shake the eight ball. And so I would write a line of code that handles pressing this button. And then an, the next line would basically verify that I have this message that gives me my fortune. And that's kind of how that acceptance test would look for if you had a magic eight ball. So there's a few tools that we can use to do this in iOS, and Calabash is one of them that gives us this more cucumber-style testing, which I'm very used to doing. And then you have Kif, which allows you to actually write the code that's going to interact with your iOS app. And it does this by leveraging the accessibility attributes um, in iOS. KIF stands for keep it functional. 
I haven't done a lot of work with Kif, but it's something I'm now starting to get into. I actually have a talk in Tampa, I believe the 28th of this month, on Kif and Quick. And Quick is a behavior-driven development framework that allows us to write um, the user stories or the acceptance tests, and then we use Kif to actually interact with the application. That's really interesting stuff. It's I think uh, behavior-driven development is a lot more valuable to business needs, um, especially as we start thinking kind of more design first or you know business needs first. And mobile is very much um, it, it's kind of needing to move away from this very traditional MVC pattern where as developers we love to think about logic and we love to think about data. And, uh, and and there's nothing wrong with that, um, but as you know, kind of devices and and user interaction um, becomes more real time. This idea of separating, uh, you know, your your data from your view with a controller, uh, especially anyone that's that's been in iOS long enough, you you see that basically you just have these really bloated controllers. Um, and to unit test. Is, is great. I mean, it's really simple to go and, and write some unit tests to say, hey, did I get data? Especially when it comes to like um, web calls and, and talking over a REST interface. But um, really limited, you know, outside of like knowing that, hey, great, these requests to this, you know, the, the web backend are working. Um, it really doesn't tell you much about how your app is being used by the end user. And that's a problem. You know, businesses are built around uh, user interaction and um, fetching data isn't really the, the real problem there. In fact, you could fail gracefully without fetching a thing and still provide a good experience for your user if it's properly handled, right? Yep. So I think that's a good segue to talking about um, what's really kind of got me geeked uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, which is uh, I've been playing with React Native, um, which officially came out, uh, released to the public. It's been kind of a private... Uh, alpha for a while and now it's a little bit more of a public beta and you know I, I'm not a big fan I have to I have to kind of say that like I, I don't really care for kind of the cross-platform um, frameworks that I've worked with in the past and and I've built at least one production ready app in, in a lot of the major players so I did a titanium app way back in the day uh, for the app store and Android um, and I built another app in, in PhoneGap, you know, to kind of be cross-platform. And um, there was just a lot to be desired. Uh, oh, I was also a big uh, proponent of RubyMotion for a while because that was at least uh, leveraging LLVM to try to compile um, natively. But with all of them, there was still a lot of this overhead. And the cost for that overhead just wasn't really worth the gain of sticking with you know, the one language you know, which is JavaScript or Ruby or whatever. Um, and, and it was just always better to just learn the native language, Java and Objective-C back in the day. But React Native has a different, a little bit of different approach and angle that I really like. And uh, that's in the fact that they're leveraging V8, which is already, um, you know, core to both Android and iOS. And so you already have this kind of you know, engine to, to power JavaScript and to, uh, to, to make it feel very fast and native. And 
with that, you do have some overhead, but um, the trade-off is that React uh, for the web has been out for a while and is very much um, this idea of component-based logic, uh, reusable components. Uh, it, it's very much a view framework only, and uh, it's very asynchronous. And that is something that is extremely valuable to iOS. And if, if you've been in, in this space for a while, um, you'd know that doing async in, in iOS isn't terrible, but it's certainly not grateful. And that's definitely uh, very verbose, even with Swift and its nice, beautiful syntax. It's still kind of a very verbose process to you know dispatch async you know, and wrap all of your you know, logic in that. And, um, and it's kind of hard to think um, in terms of um, async and, and to kind of have that mindset first, especially when you kind of quickly scaffold up um, applications, the default is MVC. And, um, you know, so, so who's to break the mold, right? When, when that's kind of what you're given and that's what you see around the web and in examples, it, it's just kind of what you stick with. So I like the fact that React Native is trying to do some things differently and they're trying to bring, they're trying to bring that idea of async first to both Android and iOS. And currently React Native is only iOS, but I believe uh, Android is supposed to be out maybe by the end of the summer. That's just a total guess. I, I have nothing to back that. <laughs> I haven't looked anything up. Um, but yeah, so React Native, they've got a really cool tutorial out there too, um, basically building a little movie uh, table view. It goes and fetches movie data from um, Rotten Tomatoes and um, all of the various rankings and whatever. And start to finish, I think I built their whole tutorial, like not even cloning the repo or anything. I just following along through their blog post. And I think that tutorial took me all of like 15, 20 minutes and I had a fully working app uh, built in React Native. I could not believe how painless it was. Um, that's a really cool, that's a really cool um, feature, I guess, to the languages that the tooling is is just extremely simple. And I don't know if you knew this, Adam, but you know, they actually forked um, uh, Adam, the, uh, uh, I should separate Adam versus Atom. <laughs> Use some enunciation there. Right. So Atom, uh, by GitHub, the the Facebook team kind of forked that um, project, and I think they're calling it Nuclide, which is going to be a custom IDE for building React Native apps. Hmm. Their mantra is kind of rather than write once, run anywhere, uh, more of a learn once, write anywhere. So the idea is that if you learned how to use React components and the the, the high-level ideas behind React and these these ideas of reusable components that you should then just be able to move between devices pretty seamlessly and not have to have the nuances of learning and switching gears from Java to Objective-C to Swift and kind of back and forth that you can stick with JavaScript, stick with kind of one, one language and one syntax, but interact with those native components kind of similarly. So that's pretty cool. Um, like I said, I've been geeking out on that for the last couple weeks, and um, I've yet to to launch anything in production uh, on React Native. So 
I can't really attest to its stability, but um, I have done some benchmarks and I've, I've built a couple of just little mini projects and I think we'll be launching a tutorial series actually next month on React Native um, kind of to coincide with, with some of the Swift updates. So looking forward to writing up that, that uh, tutorial and teaching some people React Native. Yeah, awesome. How, how is it as far as performance goes versus writing more native code opposed to writing the JavaScript and React doing what it does? You definitely see an overhead in startup time. Um, I'm guessing that's probably kind of maybe an initialization of like the VA engine. Um, and, and you kind of have this, you know, you, you've got a little bit of uh, a memory hit. You know, you're just a lot larger um, heap with, with using and including that, uh, that engine. But when using an app, especially like a table view, I actually found uh, React Native to be equal or faster in a lot of instances because async was just so well handled and so well done for me. And, you know, if I was to be a very well-seasoned iOS developer, and by seasoned, I mean at least, you know, a solid three, four years of, of writing for iOS only, um, then, you know, React Native wouldn't be for me. It, it wouldn't compare to what I could do natively. But for kind of the indie dev and the junior devs out there, React Native, is, with the performance it gives you out of the box in a lot of the, like, the error handling and uh, debugging and stack tracing, which is really hard to do in an async environment, React Native handles that extremely well. And so, and, and it is production ready. I mean, so it's, it's, it definitely has its advantages. And I, def, I don't think it's, it's gonna be like PhoneGap or Titanium or any of the others where you know people pick it up, look at it, and then kind of toss it aside. I think React Native is kind of here to, to stay and dare I say, might even beat out some of the competition uh, in the next year. Hmm, that's really interesting. So I, I guess I have one other question in regards to, so if, if I'm building something like a table view, how is the code simpler in React Native opposed to doing it, you know, natively? What's, what's the difference in the code look like? Much simpler. Um, in fact, a table view can be overwhelming to somebody just getting started with iOS and even with Swift. Um, and in React, your data source is basically kind of, it looks like a JSON object. And um, your table view is, is the idea of almost like JSX. It's, it's very similar to just React for web. So it looks like you're just writing HTML and you're defining table rows and a table and elements within a table row um, in what looks just like HTML and probably like if I were to take that Rotten Tomatoes app and put it side by side and build it in iOS, um, I would say it's probably 1 20th of the amount of code um, to, to get the same results. Wow, that's nice. I, I mean, even I've been doing iOS development for a while and I still, when it comes to table views, I have to constantly reference just to make sure I'm doing things right. And then when you get data stores involved, you know, it's just, it's so much. It's, it's even overwhelming uh, doing it still to me. So having something that makes that some of these components that we use every day more simpler and then also allows us to make them, you know, um, to be able to be used more than just once 
Mm-hmm. Well, and that's part of the problem too. You know, like you just said, referencing a table view from a past project, I do that every time. You know what I mean? I I don't care. It doesn't matter how many times I've written a, a table into an iOS app. I always still reference and double check it with another former project because it's so verbose and there's the separation usually of the MVC, right? And, and you're making sure you've got your outlet connected to your controller and your controller talking to your model. And, um, you know, there's so many different areas you have to check for all, the, all of these connections and having doing that same thing in React Native is seriously it's so ridiculously easy. It's like, okay, do I have do I have an object that has data in it? And here's my component with all of the logic and view kind of in the same place. And uh, and React Native is doing some interesting thing with with uh, Flexbox um, where they're kind of building in a a Flexbox uh, kind of rendering engine, if you will. Um, so that's that's kind of exciting. It's that to me is a little bit like I don't know how I feel about it yet, but like I said, when I built a couple little you know apps just playing around with it, um, I was pretty impressed with how flexible and easy it was. Cool. Um, to be completely honest, before this call uh, or before us starting this podcast, um, I was not sold at all. Like to me, it just seemed like another thing I have to learn and. There's going to be all this extra code, but after you talking about it, I may have to get off this call and um, take a look at it. Yeah, it's definitely worth uh, looking at at least the um, the kind of tutorial that they have. I think it's just uh, facebook.github.io slash react-native, uh, or just Google React Native, really. Um it's it's ridiculous how simple it is. Like I said, this this one tutorial, I could not believe that I was I was started and finished so quick, um, and it was so minimal. So yeah, definitely worth looking at. And you know, kind of on that note, um, you know, I, I mentioned that you know we're hoping next month, we, you know, loose loosely planned. So you know, don't beat me up if if we don't stick to this, but. Uh, next month, I'd really like to, to publish a couple tutorials on React Native and maybe even just React for Web um, because they kind of all tie in together and they kind of change your, yeah, I don't know, they kind of, they, they broaden your horizons. And um, simultaneously to that, um, a good buddy of ours uh, who we met via Slack in our Slack community, um, he is actually working on a tutorial series similar to our own uh, Flourish app. Uh, in Flourish, if you're not familiar, we built a journal app from start to finish, um, and actually, part the last re remaining parts of that, I think four and five, uh, should be coming out this week. Um, so Eric is actually building uh, a tutorial that's similar. It's building an entire app, uh, and he's taking the approach of building like a social network entirely in iOS. And you say, well, how can you do that? Social networks are require people to be interconnected and. You know, you'd have to have some kind of a web backend, right? And the answer is yes, you do. Um, but he's going to leverage Parse for all of the heavy lifting. Um, and he's going to basically uh, teach you in his tutorial series how to build out the views, what to kind of, what to think about, um, how to handle uh, requests, how to leverage Parse properly, you know, how to kind of cache data uh, locally versus syncing it with a cloud. and. Lots of really cool stuff. So be on the lookout for that. I think we'll be making an announcement uh, about that and maybe having the first part out by next week. 
Cool. I know a lot of people be excited about that. So they've they've been really eating up our Flourish tutorial. Mm -hmm. It's a good tutorial. In fact, I just had somebody uh, ping me uh, on once again from our Slack community um, saying that they're actually publishing their own journal app that was inspired by uh, the, the tutorial. Awesome. Yeah, we'll have our first uh, first app. Actually, they might beat beat our own Flourish app. I've, I'm still waiting on Apple to review the dang app. I think uh, <laughs> I published Flourish, uh, I think, what, three weeks ago now? And it was right around the time that they accepted um, uh, Apple Watch apps. And so I think I just got pushed to the bottom of some massive queue. Now we know. We only Apple Watch apps from now on. Yeah. Yep. I should have at least put a little companion app. Maybe that would have got it uh, pushed to the top of the stack. Right. So, yeah, I mean, great chatting with you today, Adam. You too. There's some pretty exciting stuff, um, behavior-driven development and React Native and tutorials like crazy. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, a lot of content coming up. We're excited. Yes. So, uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for the time, Adam, and uh, shout out to our boy, Caesar, as always. Uh, thanks for listening, and we look forward to... Uh, hearing some feedback from you guys hit us up swiftcast tv on twitter uh or swiftcast.tv and check out the site and make sure to get into slack yes slack join us <laughs>